My name is Elizabeth Lewis, and I'm the owner and CEO of Detroit Mom. As a teen mom, I know firsthand the feeling of isolation and the fears that come at different stages of motherhood. I spent half the time wondering where to find community and the other half dreaming of a way to create that community for myself and the women around me. No mother should experience change and challenges alone. I created this community and podcast to make sure women in my community are never alone. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom Podcast. The intention of this podcast is to make sure you have a voice and your story is being heard. Welcome to the Unfiltered Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lewis, and I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Today, I actually have three co-hosts here with me. I have Jess, who you've heard from before, Jamie, who you've also heard from, and new with us today, we have Scott from My Able. And we're going to hear from all of them just shortly. But first, I want to jump in. You guys remember Jamie and Jess. Jamie, can you reintroduce yourself to our audience? And then Jess, we'll go with you. Absolutely. Hello, I'm Jamie Freeman. Uh, I write and work for Detroit Mom. And I am also mom to Benny, seven, Ellie, five, and Nora, two. And Benny has a dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. Thank you. We love Benny. Um, Jess. Hi, I am. What am I not? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just had a baby. Let's talk about that. I'm a contributor as well as Jamie. And I just had a baby who is two months old. And I also have a son who has Down syndrome. And he is Five. I keep forgetting his age because he just turned five last month. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. I still can't believe, wow, I still can't believe he's five. Because when you came to Detroit, Mom, he was little. He was he was under one. Bitty. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, same with you. He was little and you were pregnant. Gosh, crazy. Anyways, let's introduce Scott. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you introduce yourself. So when people hear you jump in, they're not like, who's this? So go ahead, Scott, tell us who you are, who you work for, all that good stuff. Sure. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I too have trouble uh, remembering ages, not just my children, but my own. I think you hit 40, 45 and it's, you know, you just lose track of the math. Right. Uh, thank you very much for having me. My name is Scott DeVerona. I am the program director for the Michigan Department of Treasury, my ABLE savings program for individuals with disabilities. I've worked with Jamie on a few other podcasts uh, for Detroit Moms, so I'm here to share my expertise and to help pass the word on about ABLE and that individuals with disabilities don't have to worry about losing their benefits with an ABLE plan. Perfect. No, we're excited to have you here. And I know we had Jamie and Jess kind of talk about raising children with disabilities back in, oh my gosh, the beginning of (laughs) right before the coronavirus, like really took, took over. It was like Fat Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm like, whoa, what? (laughs) But what we want, I want to kind of jump into and something you guys talked about, and we've really been hearing more about, gosh, over the last year, is the limitation that prevent individuals with disabilities or prevent financial security for individuals with disabilities by putting their benefits at risk. This is crazy. And I've had the privilege of working with, you know, with Scott and Jamie and kind of really getting an understanding of what kind of things 
happen to children with disabilities as they get older? Because I think when you don't experience that or you're not going through it, you're kind of sitting back like, well, what's the difference? Like, why can't they have more in their bank account? So Jamie, kind of, kind of give us, you know, actually, let's start with this, Jess. Since Jamie's already worked with MyAble, can you tell me how much you know about what you have to do to prepare for Nassim's financial future? So this is a really good question. And it's something that honestly, I have not given much thought to, um, which is nice to be here and to actually think about it because I haven't, I just haven't thought about it much. I do have an aunt that she doesn't technically have like a diagnosis that I could like say, but she does have a, a cognitive like developmental delay. And so she is considered disabled. And I know that she receives like, I think it's like SSI or something. Mm-hmm. And she has worked, but I didn't. And I um, she has worked, but you know, not very much. And I remember that when we were in the hospital, someone told us to apply for Nassim. And when we tried to, that's when I got a little bit more information. Because I'm like, I know that my aunt receives this. And so I'm like, okay, I know what that is, kind of. But then once I started to do it myself, I literally, and this probably happens with people all the time, I literally gave up because it was too hard. It was like, super hard. It was like, one person says there is no income, like the par- the income of the parents don't matter. And then it was like, no, it does matter. And then it was like, you qualify, but you need a lawyer. It, it was just like, oh my God. I was oh like, my you gosh. know what? It's too hard. And so I think that from having that experience when he was like basically born, because it was on my mind because I was told about, you know, benefits and all of that. But then I just didn't forget about it. So I don't know when I would have thought about it again, as far as, you know, him getting older. All I think about is like, okay, he'll like go out and he will be himself and he will get a job. But I never thought about, yeah, I just never thought about that. So this is information for me too, to think about as his mom. It's crazy because Jamie, I'll let you jump in, but as somebody who does not have a child with disabilities, I would be like you, Jess, like, well, he's just going to go out to the world and make money. And the crazy and beautiful part of you, Jamie and Jess, is that you have sons at different stages. You know, like in the seems function is totally different than Benny's, you know, like, so, you know, I don't know where, like, like Jess said, you're like, well, my, he's just going to go get a job and make money. Not realizing that he will only be able to make so much and like how I'm sitting here how is a functioning human allowed like 1350 gosh to me to me it really like it really like it really sucks like I don't even I was trying to think of like a more appropriate word but like it really does suck because it's like when we are in our house we like to see Nassim as who he is, you know, like he seems to be a person who is just a person and can go out into the world and do his thing. And sometimes, you know, I will say out of, I think respect for the level of pressure that I put on him, I will say a lot of times, you know, 
I literally don't care what he does in life. I just want him to be successful, like whatever that means to him and enjoy it, but not even, and then, you know, my husband will say like, no, he's going to do great. Not even thinking about the limits that are already, like, I'm not trying to put limits on him, but there are already limits put on him. Like there are already limits put on him that I, that are almost out of my control. At least that's how it feels. That's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it is hard. No matter what level <laughs> you see your child at, which sucks. Like I said, it, yeah. it sucks. And it's such an interesting perspective to where we are at just is, you know, our, our kids are little. Benny's seven, Nasina's five. And you're right. Like, like, I remember when I first started talking to Scott and getting to know him and learning more about this, I was kind of thrown back. I didn't know a lot of this. Um, Scott's the first one that told me about the $2,000 limitation for a savings account. And um, when I think about that, I think it's easy for parents of small children to, I like to call it our bubble. It's easy for us to live in our bubble. And, you know, we don't, you're absolutely right. We don't put limitations for on, on our children and we don't want to hold them back from anything. So, you know, we just, you know, think like everything's going to be fine. But the fact of the matter is, is there's some severe injustice in this country in regard to how somebody with a disability can exceed and excel and still get the help that they need from everyone. And I think that when people talk about like, you know, everybody else like us here, you know, talking, we talk about this glass ceiling. The ceiling for a person like the individuals that we're talking about, every, from the moment that they're born, things are hard. Yeah. And then you're just like, I get to be an adult. I get to be, and they're like, they've reached that level and it's still 10 times hard. Like it's still 10 times harder, no matter what their function is. Like that is just, yeah. ah, so frustrating to think about right now because it's like, I, like I said, I haven't given much thought to it. But now thinking about it, like thinking about how I have to like, literally, you know, I put in my stories yesterday that I will advocate for him every step of the way. And it's just so interesting that I think about him becoming an adult and advocating for himself. But that's not even realistic. I have to advocate for him forever. Like, and not because it's like a burden or anything, but I just see that the world will try to like almost take advantage of him um, because he has this like stamp or whatever you want to call it. And so I will have to, as a normal person, as the world sees it, I will have to step in and just be like the hero (laughs) and work harder than maybe another parent has to work just so that their child can reach their fullest potential. It's, it's, it's almost crazy to me. Like he, and it, 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 it's a, it's a thing about him having to literally prove himself for the rest of his life, and me having to be there right by his side, being a a co-signer mm-hmm. every step of the way. Yep. It's, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to interject once again. This is Scott from MyAble. One of the things that that we in the financial world, we think about a lot 
you know, when you have kids and, and uh, Jess can attest, you know, with a little one in her arms right now, you know, you anticipate, you know, their needs when they're, you know, an infant and when they're a toddler and when they're in early childhood. And then as they grow and they become teens, they get a little bit more independent. What this population has to deal with, you know, when, when my teenagers are, are soon to be at college and out of the house, they're going to be making their own decisions. They're going to be living independently. For a lot of people in this population, they may never be able to live independently. So for parents in that situation, they've got to not only anticipate what are the next 18 to 20 years going to look like, but what are the next 20 years past that? And almost more importantly, what happens when I'm not here any longer? What happens when my child, who most likely will survive me, how do I plan for that? How do I plan for, for, for that you know, situation? And also listening to, to the stories of the people that I talk with, um, the joke that I quite often tell is, if you've heard one story of about a person with a disability, you've heard one story. Even with the diagnosis being exactly the same, even if they're the same age, the stories are varied. The stories are as varied as, as we are a population because everybody manifests things differently and everybody handles things differently. So that's why this is a great topic to discuss because as unfortunate as it is, as, as we need emotional, as we need spiritual, as we need physical supports, the, the monetary aspects and the financial aspects of this are just as important because without those resources and without planning to have those resources, all the other stuff, you know, can fall by the wayside. Yeah. yeah. That's, Gosh. that's a fantastic point. And, and it's, it's funny because as a parent, when you're, when you have a new baby and that baby is given this label, this diagnosis of some sort, right? That's the last thing you want to think about because you're already thrust into what are the medical complications involved with this diagnosis and what therapies do suddenly have to fit into your schedule and what doctors upon doctors, upon specialists, upon what else do you have to start seeing? And, you know, you're already so inundated with all of that and oftentimes already so financially strapped at that point from unexpected medical bills and you know everything along those lines it's so hard to wrap your head around but when I started learning about this from Scott and he told us so just to repeat one more time because I don't think we can say it enough somebody with a disability is at risk of losing their benefits if they have more than 2,000 in a bank account and when Scott told me that I'm like People, our family is very generous. They give Benny money for his birthdays, for like many grandparents and yes. aunts and uncles things do. Like he's going to have more than 2000 in his bank account by the time he reaches adult age, right? And what if something did happen to Mark and I at this point and he wasn't covered under my medical insurance and he wasn't like, he would somebody would be scrambling to figure out what to do with that money if it was sitting in a real bank account. Right. And that's ridiculous. That's, I have so many words I can't say on a podcast to describe it, but it's ridiculous. And I, 
there's a lot we need to do as a community of advocates to change some things, but luckily the ABLE Act has helped. And I remember Benny was like one. I think it was, Scott, when did the ABLE Act pass? 2014, was it? In the federal law it passed in 2014, Michigan has had an ABLE program since November of 2016. Okay, yeah. Do you want to tell us really quick then, Jamie, Let have Scott tell us really quick what the ABLE Act is so people are <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay. Uh, as, as, as we mentioned, the ABLE Act is basically a, uh, a new account that the IRS created. They modeled it after the 529 education program, which has been around for 20, 25 years, which allows individuals with disabilities to put up to $15,000 into a savings slash investment account that lets them save for their future expenses. So it is a it's a brand new program that was created by the federal government because the federal government understands that although we have the Americans with Disabilities Act, which allows individuals with disabilities to have access to schools and, and hospitals and things like that, they did not create a method by which individuals with disabilities can have long-term financial economic self-sufficiency. As Jamie has mentioned, you can't be economically self-sufficient if you're limited to $2,000 in assets. It's just not possible. So instead of trying to adjust that limit and make modifications to it, they created the ABLE program, which allows individuals to put money aside for the expenses that they're going to have. Let's face it, individuals with disabilities face a myriad of expenses that can be catastrophically costly. And so they needed the place to put money to shelter that money uh, to prevent it from being counted against them for the benefits that they need, like Medicaid, like SSI, like if you have Section 8 housing, if you have food benefits. Any of those types of programs that are, are need-based can be impacted by the amount of assets that you have. And like Jamie mentioned, if you've got family who has the ability to provide some of those uh, monetary needs, the people are punished for that. They're actually told, I've talked to a number of families who have been told, you know, don't put that in your bank account because if you do, you're going to lose your benefits. Wow. Well, for, for no other population do we tell, don't save money. For no other population do we say, stay broke. We want everybody, and this is from the, from the governor and the treasurer on down, we want everybody to be financially self-sufficient. And this population has been told and has been punished for, for trying to, to earn money and to save money. Now we have a solution for them. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Wow. 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 That is. Well, I think it totally makes sense to me now because when I grew up, I always heard that like, you know, my aunt, she lives with my grandparents and she always has, and she has a child. She has one mm -hmm. son, but she did not take care of him. My grandparents did, but they all lived together. And I always heard that, like, she didn't have her own, she didn't have the money. Like, she gets the right. check, but she doesn't have the money. And yep. now it's like, I don't, they probably did, didn't know that. But, like, it makes sense to me why she doesn't have her own money and why they dish money out to her. She doesn't get to keep it, even though she spends her own money. But it's like she gets allowance of her own money. Which oh is, my gosh, crazy. It's, it's dehumanizing. It's, I mean, it's completely dehumanizing as an adult, as an adult with a disability, 
you know, even if you have, you know, broken some barriers and become independent, these, these laws, these rules, if you will, they keep you in this box. Like you said, they, they keep that label on you and they make you dependent. They force you to be dependent upon others. And it's, I mean, so my brother-in-law, Scotty, he is, you know, he's in his thirties now. He's my husband's little brother. And Scotty has uh, multiple diagnoses. Uh, he has Asperger's and a chromosomal abnormality as well. And Scotty's doing great. Scotty's got a job at Kroger and he, he's loving it. He loves his job. He's excelling at his job. And he's just so hurt because he, he knows he has potential for more. They've talked to him about moving up at Kroger and, and moving wow. into higher positions. And he can't, he literally can't because moving up into that higher position will cause him and my mother-in-law to lose the benefits that they need to live right now. And it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, unfortunately, that's some legislation that we still don't have help with. So Scott explained this to me very well. And Scott, jump in if I'm if I'm messing this up. But, you know, your ABLE accounts, your ABLE accounts can help with your savings. But there's still income restrictions. And those income restrictions are something we still we still need to work on. Okay, so yeah. essentially, go ahead, Scott. I'll let you. Explain I just, just want to mention uh, just what what Jamie's talking about. There are programs that are asset based, meaning if you have a certain number of assets, you will be excluded. There are also programs that are income based, which means if you have too high an income, you will be excluded from those. Yeah. Able solves the asset based problems. If your income is the issue and that's the reason that you're losing benefits, ABLE will not solve that because it doesn't take away income. It's only a place to shelter assets. So yeah. that's what Jamie was alluding to there. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, it's so, you know, we have a lot of battles to fight and, and I'm glad we have things like the ABLE Act and uh, that are coming into place that are starting to help. But it's just amazing to me how many more burdens there are still to overcome because I'm sorry if you, so you can't make, and this is different depending on state, you know, depending on who's listening to this podcast, but I know for Michigan, you cannot make more than $1,350 a month or else, you, yeah, or else you risk losing benefits. And in, in thinking month. of it, yeah, a month. And that's Jamie. Okay, so you and Jess having two very different sons, do you see at this point, Benny being able to to withhold the job to go out? And this might be a loaded question. And I'm asking this in the sense that <laughs> as women, like, you know, as someone who who doesn't have barriers, mm -hmm. you know, like Scott said, my kids, I'm just like, hey, you turn 18. Speaking of a 20 year old who still lives in my home, but besides <laughs> that, it's just a different thought process. Whereas, you know, like for you, do you sit there and say, oh, you know, well, he's going to get a job. He'll be able to bring in a little, because I don't even think that we realize as a community, how much expense comes with having a child with, with a disability. Oh yeah. How much money you you got you have to put forward you know like in my mind over here I'm like well doesn't your insurance cover it 
Do you know what I'm saying? So and this is another podcast. Yes. <laughs> so so this is what I'm saying, like looking at Jess's response and, and Jamie, mm-hmm. we don't realize those things because we're not experiencing them. And so a new mom coming in, you know, Jess, think back to when you had Nassim. We, you know, if you've been, if you listened to Jess's first podcast with Jamie, <laughs> you know her story, how she felt, how off guard, like how you felt like this can't possibly be happening to me. So when you sit there and look at it, a new mom coming in listening to this, she could, she could get a head start because we're putting resources out there where she could have a MyAble account or start preparing and thinking about the future because there were these resources, right? And, and having, you know, Jeff, could you imagine, well, like you said, you had Nassim and they were like, oh, start here, do this. And you were like, oh my gosh, like, I, and, it, it and, it, and it's, I think that it's like, very nice for someone to listen to this because like even when I talked to you like a week ago or something like that I was like financial like I was like we don't have any like this doesn't hit us financially like I mean we have some therapies like but nothing more than somebody putting their child like this is for this is why I love getting on with Jamie because I feel like when somebody when I I'm going to finish my statement, but I feel like when somebody <laughs> listens to these, they're able to see themselves somewhere, somewhere. And I think that that's always important. But when you asked me, I, yeah, I was like, it's nothing more than putting, it's been somebody deciding to put their child in extracurricular activities. That's what our cost is for Nassim's extra needs. But I never thought about beyond now. And that's where it hits me because, and even with me saying that, let me just say this, we have the means to put Nassim in extracurricular activities, but guess what? This is an extracurricular. This is a need. So for families that couldn't put their kids in extracurricular activities and they are forced to, that puts a hit on you. That yeah. hits hard. Yeah. And the fact that we can afford it doesn't make it any different than the person that can't. Yes, we in the world, you say, Oh, do I wanna do I wanna put my child in dance? Well, no, that's too expensive. Maybe I'll find something different. It doesn't happen like that when your child is really dependent on these services that you have to figure out how to make it work. Because when if you can't walk because exactly put them in physical therapy or talk or or eat or like like things that we all take for granted Mm -hmm. things that we all just do with no extra help I mean if I I didn't take dance as a child Mm -hmm. no no big deal you know I'm still (laughs) just a human in the world just independent (laughs) but for a lot of individuals whether it's that or all of the many other things that are needed, that's just, it's just not an option. It hurts them so much more than just something fun to do. It, it isn't, that isn't it. A lot of, a lot of injustice. The word I keep coming back to. Again. It is. And I, I think we just, it's something we don't realize, right? We just know, like, like, just that we take it for granted because it's an everyday thing and it's not something that we're sitting there and even even thinking about because 
you know, I see what both of you guys go through and, and Jess, I've, I've known you for quite a, quite some time and you've helped me with my kids. I've helped you with Nassim and you're like, I, this, the stuff we worry about. So when, when Nassim comes over to my house, I know you'd be like, Hey, are the, the doors closed, you know, cause he doesn't go downstairs well, or he's a picky eater. Things are a little bit different for him. And for him, like, Oh, I got this. But then realizing it's not whether I have it, it's whether or not you feel comfortable. And you're like, that you're always worried, you know, that you have to worry about his safety. And, and that's a lot of pressure to, for yourself. And, and the thing I think is like you said, it's a choice, but in the, at the end of the day, it wasn't like you, you conceived him and you were like, I feel like having a child with disabilities. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an option for you. It wasn't like you had a choice. And so it just, it boggles my mind that there are so many constraints and things like that on, on humans with disabilities. And like you said, this glass ceiling and Scott, when you said having to worry about your kids 20 years beyond and what happens when you're gone, that's a real thing. That is a thing that I don't, I hope my children are okay. But it's not something, they're not dependent on me. Hopefully not. But you know what I mean? Physically, they're not dependent on me. And so, or financially, or mentally. Or if they become dependent on you, it isn't, it isn't something that you have to literally think about forever. You know, like people say, don't worry about something if it isn't a problem now. We don't have that choice. We don't have that choice. It is a problem now because it's going to be a problem later. Like I don't have to question whether that I have to prepare because the likelihood of that happening is really high. It's higher than the likelihood of it not happening. So like, it's yeah. something that you have to think about so far. It, it is, it's overwhelming. It, it, it's overwhelming. And now Jamie, I have joined your club and knowing what the other side feels like. And it almost feels unfair. It really does. It almost feels unfair. It is. Yeah. It almost feels unfair that I have two sons and I love them both. But for one, I have to plan for, will he live with me? Will he not live with me? Maybe he could be the first doctor or maybe he'll work at a grocery store. Maybe he will have a girlfriend or maybe he won't. Like, and then I have another son where I'm like, I'll see myself at his wedding. He'll just make lots of money. I mean, I don't care about that, but like, I can say those things. Like, I can say those things without like this, but maybe he won't. Or I can say, you know, he'll probably go out and get his own job. And in the future, he may live with me for his whole life. But I have the ability to dream about that. And I have the ability to dream about Nassim as well. But it's just society has already put limits on him that I have to be realistic. It's just the truth. And it seems, like I said, so unfair. And I didn't know what this felt like because I only had one child and that child was Nassim. And it's mind-boggling that this baby can not do anything for himself. Nothing. He's eating with me right now. Like he can't even. <laughs> he can't do nothing.
nothing unless I help him. And yet I'm already like, sky's the limit for you, kid. It's crazy. Well, and let me give you, um, I'm going to try and, and put this in perspective. I have two children. Neither of them are, are able eligible, but I have been throughout the state of Michigan talking with, you name the disability advocacy group, and I've talked to them from the ARC to autism, from the individuals with, uh, with visual or, or hearing problems to the physically disabled, you name it. But I haven't talked to a person yet um, who has a family member with a disability who is not one of the strongest people I've ever met. You know, they say that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. This population can handle it because that is, that's been my experience. I mean, this is a tough group of people. And if, if anybody can, can persevere and get through, it's this population. The, the, the really unfortunate thing, like Jamie has already mentioned, it's just taken us so damn long to figure out what's the best way to help this group of people. Because, I mean, this is it. Like I said, this was in 2014. We're talking less than a decade ago, we figured out, hey, maybe we should give these people a way to save for their finances. Come on. Oh my so I salute each and every one of you that is living through this every day. I have a really, really small part of this that I can help with. But the bottom line is, and, and here's the other thing. They're really, really strong, and they are also the fiercest advocates <laughs> for whatever, um, for, for, for it being, you know, a particular therapy, a particular service, a particular, you name it. And, and especially if you've got a group of people who have a shared experience, like is, who I'm talking to right now, yeah, you, you got a community that you can count on literally for life. So... Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to paint it all roses because it's going to be tough. But the bottom line is you've got you've got support now that will help. Yeah, thank goodness. And that makes a huge difference, right? Like having, you know, every time we do that, we, you guys like I, I end up crying just like you're like, I can plan on this today. Like, <laughs> you just don't. But it's. I think it's so important to talk about because it, you know, maybe it could help people with kids that are typical, as you call them, better understand how we can support not only like ment how we can support you, Jamie and Jess, mentally, you know, physics, all of these things, you know, I know you guys have two very different experiences. And, you know, Jamie, I see what you go through and the hard work and the same thing with Jess, like I, have been with you where you're chasing and watching and you, you just so flawlessly, you know, I, re I remember, I would tell this to everybody, when I first met, when you came over to my house, Nassim was just like pulling on your oh. earring, just like, it was like ready to come off. And you just kept on talking. Like normally a parent, a mom would be like, get off, like, don't that hurt. You were just like, okay. And you, you fixed it up and you put it right back in. He just kept on doing that. And the patient that you have to have as a mother is insane and I just commend both of you and for sharing your story and helping a community you know a community and for moms to come that are going to have children with disabilities that can listen to this 
and have a head start on my able because Scott shared, because you shared your experiences or just because you were so honest and said, I didn't think about it. It takes a lot of courage to say that I haven't thought about my child's financial future, knowing that he might live with me the rest of my life. You know, there are a lot of things you have to consider. And so I, I think a huge point that I beg everybody to get from all of this too, is that, you know, I agree best, like support your moms, support, you know, open, open your eyes. That's the biggest thing is open your eyes to this entire group of people. And when we're talking disabilities, like Scott said, I'm not talking about, you know, Benny has severe disabilities. Benny is completely nonverbal. Benny also has autism. Um, Benny is in a, you know, very specialized school. He, he, he's, he's, you know, up there when it comes to how many needs he has. But we're not just talking about Benny. When you are thinking about adults with visual impairments, uh, adults that are simply in a wheelchair, adults that may not have family that can help them pull this weight for them. This is what Benny has done for me. And I know Nassim has done for Jess too, is you got to think like, okay, we're in a great position right now. Like Jess said, I have the means to give Benny what he needs. And I'm, it, that's an amazing privilege that I have. Jess has the means to give Nassim what he needs. There's adults all over this country right now that do not have that help. They do not have people there to help them. And they are highly dependent on things like ABLE accounts and highly dependent on income that they're getting from Social Security. And they currently cannot excel past a certain point because of these limitations. So, you know, unfortunately in the world we live in, I've heard people say very ignorant statements of, you know, if you can work, why do you need the assistance? If you can work, why do you need us? Why should I pay for your health insurance? Why should I pay for your Medicaid? And you know what? This is why. Because the country that we live in right now has legislation that is preventing them from getting that help if they do work more than a certain point. And we all need to be aware of this. And we need to be able to speak to this and advocate for this because it's not going to be until everybody opens their eyes of exactly what it's like for this population that we're going to start seeing some real change. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Scott. Wow. Okay, Scott. I like, I have so many more questions. I realize we can take this conversation in so many ways. I want to make sure too, we we're giving this to our, to our audience to indigestible bits. Cause we'll have Scott back again. And I think September, what, okay. The easiest way, because like Jamie has said this time and time again, when you are, have a child with disability, you're working full time, you're advocating for your child, you have other children you are already stressed out. You don't have a lot of time. What is the best way to give this information to this group where it's digestible, it's easy for them to manage and handle, and they don't feel overwhelmed like Jess did when she was like, oh my gosh, this is like just so much information. How can we, and how can I able give that to them? Well, you're asking uh, you're asking the $64,000 question because <laughs> Literally for the past five years, I have been traveling throughout the state of Michigan, trying to educate 
basically anybody who will listen to me about this program okay. uh, because it is a unique program. We hired a, a marketing firm to help us get the word out. And they had the hardest time with market research for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's no other product like this. There, there, there is no account for individuals with disabilities. It's brand new. And number two, individuals with disabilities have never had their own product before. So wow. to, to, try and, to try and tap into something that has already been done, it's never been done before because they've never had their own product before which makes getting the word out really, really difficult, which is why yeah. podcasts like this are fabulous. So thank you for that. You're um, welcome. My, the, the best advice that I can give, and, and once again, this is where I, I display that I am an inch deep and a mile wide because every disability is different. If somebody is looking for ABLE-specific information, first thing I would do is send them to our website, which is myable.org which in addition to having all our program rules and our flyers and our events, when we can have those again, it also right. has a uh, webinar, which basically runs through the whole program. We also have an eligibility quiz. So if people are curious, does my kid qualifies? Where can I look that type of information up? So that would be the first thing. And because ABLE is, is not just for a particular disability, you know, there's not a whole lot of specific for this type of area. It's very, very broad, very general. So that would be the first thing that I would do. The other thing that I would mention to people is that ABLE is kind of like one of the steps that you take when you are um, finally figuring out, okay, we need to plan for this. And the reason that I mentioned that is this, because a lot of people start 529 education plans for their kids when they're young. This is the great time if you've got a child with disability you should be thinking about an ABLE plan as well, because, you know, even, even uh, Jess and Jamie with their kids, they don't know what their expenses are going to be, but they know they're going to have expenses. So it's a great time to start planning to, for whatever those expenses are, just like those of us who are planning to hopefully eventually send our children to college. We don't know where they're going to go to college, but we know it's going to be expensive. Yeah. So we have to start planning for those. Oh, I was just gonna I was just gonna reiterate our, our website is myable.org and it, it does have a link to uh, Treasury. It does not have links to sites for disability advocacy. If you're looking for things along those lines, the developmental disability initiative through okay. DHHS is probably one of the better places to go as well. And we partnered with them to to help get the word out earlier too. Okay, and we'll, we will put this all in the show notes, too, so people can easily listen, click on the show notes, click the links from there. Okay. And follow getting... us on That's Right Mom. We're oh, doing, yeah. We're doing workshops. Scott and I did a workshop where we walked through me setting up my, my little guy for his MyAble account. We'll answer all your questions. We're doing webcasts. We have a lot lined up for MyAble and a lot we've already done, so make sure you follow that, that is another great resource. Yes. And, and it's, and we have a lot of things to come because we do realize it's a repetition. People have to hear it over and over. Who is my able? Yes. Seven to a minimum of seven times. That is seven 100. times. You got to hear it seven times. Yes. I was lucky. I think I got Jamie after three, but still. <laughs> right. Right. Jamie's like the, and I think though, Jamie, you're so pri privileged. I should say in this point is you get to work hand in hand with Scott to kind of get a good idea Whereas most of our moms are like, 
you, you get to a certain point, you're like, is this really overwhelming? Or, you know, the question too I have for you, Scott, is how long is the process hard to get started? Like, is it a hard process to get started? And, and Jamie's actually the expert on it because she actually walked through it. But to open an account, if you have all the proper information, and obviously it's it's an investment account, it's a bank account. So I'm going to need a lot of demographic information, names, addresses, dates of birth, social security numbers, all the stuff that you need to open a bank account. If you have all of that, Jamie, help me out. I'm saying between 10 and 15 minutes, probably. I think that's safe. I think that's a safe yep. idea. As long as you don't overthink every little question like <laughs> I did, that's why you come to one of our workshops. I asked Scott a million questions on every step of that form. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and just to also toot the horn of our, uh, we have a customer service team that is dedicated to help anybody who has able questions. They're always there to help walk through the process. But I always have to say this, Neither I nor they can give investment advice. We have five different investment options that are available to our clients. We're not going to tell you where to invest your money. And, yeah. and you know, it's, they're not very complex. I mean, they go from conservative to aggressive. So it, it's not a, it's not a huge. I'm going to stop um, out there for a second for everybody. Cause I know most of you are thinking the same thing as me. <laughs> But I didn't understand the last three sentences you said. So when you say it's not complex, I'm already, you're losing me. <laughs> okay. Um, here, here, Hold let on. Me clarify that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we have a collection of five different options that range in risk from really, really conservative to really, really aggressive. So depending upon your investment style, your risk tolerance, you can choose among those five different investments. So you don't have to say, well, I want to invest in Apple or I want to invest in this particular real estate investment. We do not want people having to worry about that stuff. If you are worried about that stuff, we do have an option available to you also. But for the most part, most people just want either, I just want my money to grow or I want, or I have the ability to be a little bit more aggressive with this money. So I'm going to go with a little more aggressive plan. You do not need to know the ins and the outs of the financial in services industry. You don't need to know the difference between a stock and a bond and an ETF. Or um, I work in government. I know a lot of you have to deal with government. So we love acronyms. There's an acronym for everything. You don't have to worry about those. We'll teach you those if you want to, if you want to learn. And it could also be as simple as a regular bank account. If you just want to put the money in and just have it there, you can do that also. You don't have to be invested in the stock market or in the uh, in any of your financial services. Yeah, and we broke it down the way it made most sense to me. And so so I can say this, even if Scott can't. <laughs> is, you know, if you're like me and your son's seven and there's no reason that you know of right now that he needs this money right away, I set mine up to be high risk. And what that essentially means is I'm willing to take a hit today for long-term gain. So, so I, I can afford to watch that money drop a little bit because I have some risky stocks. I took some risky gambles so that later on I can, when Benny is older, he's going to have way more money. Whereas for Scotty, my brother-in-law was in his 30s when we set his up. We did his more conservative because he uses his money today. He uses his ABLE account today. Yeah. That's more like his bank account. So he doesn't, we, he doesn't have the ability. 
it's not a good idea for him to be risky and risking things because he needs that money to be stable. So Jamie, that breakdown, I understood. So <laughs> I, <laughs> seriously, I'm, I'm with Jamie. I'm like, Ooh, stocks, all that stuff. But I love how you said that, that the option is also there that you don't have to. Okay. My other question is Scott, can you change it anytime? So say you start out with a regular bank account. Yep. Could you say, okay, I, I'm now in a position where it could get a little more risky. And so, or I want to invest money so that there's more money in the future. You can change that at any point. The answer to your question is a qualified yes. As I okay. mentioned earlier, the, um, the, the ABLE program is modeled after the 529 education program. So okay. the answer to your question is yes, you can make changes to your investments up to twice per year. Okay. So, so if in your situation, you put money in a particular account and you say, you know, the stock market's doing great, so I'm going to move it into a little bit more aggressive, you can do that twice per year. Okay. So, and there's also nothing stopping you from having deposits in multiple investments. So you don't have to put it all in the risky. You don't have to put it all in the, in the super conservative. You, okay. can, you, can, you can divide up your money among those five, however you'd like in order to, to minimize your risk and maximize your return. Okay. And is there, do you feel that there is a good, and this might be something we have coming up with Detroit mom as well, um, like an easy breakdown, like how Jamie, maybe even doing a description of the five with like kind of how Jamie said, like, you know, my brother-in-law is 30. He does not have the ability to be risky. So he's, he would be here. My son, you know, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I I feel like even as an that for us, right, Scott? Didn't that? Yeah. Um, one, once again, this is where I I have to Scott, yeah. to. Yeah, I, I, I can't give investment <laughs> advice. I'm not a stockbroker. I'm not a certified financial planner. But um, what I can say is that um, the options that are available, all of our prospectuses, huge word, but it basically means what are these investments in? It's all available on our website that you can, so you can okay. see what the options are and make your choices based on those options. Okay. And okay. we also brought in, and I'm sure we'll bring back because Zach was great. Zach, Zach from Allied Integrated Wealth um, joined Scott and I on our workshop and our last webcast. And Scott has an uncle with Down syndrome and is very familiar with all with my able and everything. And and Zach was able once again. Zach can't give financial advice because everybody's situation is different but Zach did a really nice job of breaking down the the big options in my okay so if that's something anybody wanted help with look for our next workshop and join us uh and we can you can ask all the questions you want either privately or publicly on the webcast whatever you want make it as easy Perfect. as possible for you I love it okay okay so we don't want to overwhelm people such, we want to give you what just this is such this was such good information and I'm a part I'm a part of the club and I feel like I hit next level. <laughs> um, <laughs> level up. You get your well, dream belt today, just well, because <laughs> the the more you hear me, the more you have to do. Ask Jamie. I'm gonna <laughs> keep taking Jamie everywhere I go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah nice. in the college plans five twenty nines for my girls now too. He he shamed me. <laughs> And I don't oh even sell gosh. those and I don't sell anything. <laughs> trust me, you got you plan early because it's going to cost you. Yeah. And I think that as, you know, like 
hearing you both talk, like my husband had said that he wanted to buy or get Nassim some stocks. And I think you wouldn't even think about the fact that like, oh, wait, but what does that do to you? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's so crazy. Like me hearing that, I'm just like, oh, you can't just do that? Like, I can't. Just, I mean, you can, you can do whatever you want, but like, how does that? How does that impact you? Like, what impact does that have on you? So, thank you. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. Yeah, and just just so you know, too, this was a big selling point for me. So, for us as parents of smaller children, younger children, I should say, with disabilities, um, there's a couple of really cool perks. Like, your family, like, let's say your family does what my family does and gives Benny five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks here for his birthday. They can actually get a tax write-off for that if they have an ABLE account. And so when, when Papa, when Papa Jimmy decides he's going to give my Benny 50 bucks for his birthday, instead of giving him $50 cash, he can give him $50 in his ABLE account. That investment will grow at a way, way bigger rate than if it was just, you know, in a bank account or in his piggy bank, literally. And Papa Jimmy gets 50 bucks tax write off. We also have a really cool feature on our website that's called the Give a Gift program, where people can actually create a public profile so that they can tell their story. So they can say, you know, hi, my name is Scott. I'm saving for a wheelchair accessible van, you know, and and tell the story. This is why I need the van. This is, you know, here's a picture and and those kinds of things to actually solicit donations in a crowdfunding effort to help people raise funds for the things that they need. Oh, and by the way, give themselves an income tax deduction. Yeah, that's that's such good information. Mm Oh my gosh. Okay. We've, I feel like this has been like just a jam packed from emotional to educational to like, we. welcome to the disabled community yeah. where it's all connected. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you guys have anything you want to say or any, Jamie, you just did this. Do you have any encouraging words to somebody speaking to my able account? Yeah. You know, it, I know it's a lot. I, I mean, I tell Scott this all the time. I'm like, Scott, I have a master's degree. I speak three languages. I'm an intelligent woman. And this is just over my head. And, you know, it's just, and it was humbling. And I was almost embarrassed to ask a lot of questions because, you know, finances are complicated. And if you're not a finance person, it doesn't really come naturally to you. So my advice is, is don't be embarrassed you know what, reach out to me. I'm Jamie Freeman. You can find me somewhere on Detroit Mom, our Facebook page, our Instagram page. Find me on Facebook. Ask me some questions if you want. Go to myable.org. Ask them some questions if you want. Just ask whatever questions you have that are holding you up from doing this because I promise once you start learning, it's all going to start making sense and you're going to be feel so much better that you have something in place to prepare for your kid's future. Yeah. That is such great advice. Yes, to someone who hasn't considered any of this, do you have any final words, You any advice you want to give to these women who are sitting in there like, oh, that's fine. Well, first, congratulations for even listening to this podcast. Because <laughs> you just up-leveled too. <laughs> I mean, I'm just mind blown. I don't know. I don't know what to say. But like, 
I mean, basically, Jamie said it all. This is this is information that you can take, and and now you can have it to be more prepared for the future, and that just feels so good. Like whether a person takes advantage of the knowledge that they have or not, having the knowledge and being able to make a decision and prepare feels so good. It just feels good. Yeah. And you know, I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Jess on the side. Maybe our next workshop, we have Jess sign up. (laughs) Maybe we walk Jess there on our next and she can ask, she'll probably ask you all the same questions I did, which is great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have to have my husband um, get in too. He, um, he's the financial person. He has, his degree is in accounting. So he loves all the numbers. (laughs) We need him on this podcast. (laughs) next one next one no I love that I I gosh I and I love that you guys shared this stuff too and I you know I want to kind of end with Scott like any words that you want to share to you like you said you've traveled all over for this community what words of encouragement um, yeah the words of encouragement are first of all it's never too late this is one of those things that you know, even if you start it in the in the child's 20s, it's okay. It's a lot like planning for saving for college. I'm going to tell you a joke that my grandfather used to tell. When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. Well, it's the same thing <laughs> oh for planning God. for your finances. You know, the, the, the expenses are going to be there. That is, you know, they say that the only sure thing are death and taxes. Well, so are expenses. And for this population, sure. they, they need to have a way to plan for it. So, in addition to just get started, the only other advice that I can, or I guess the ask is that if any of you have any desire to host a outreach event virtually, I'm always available. I usually talk for 35 or 45 minutes and I walk through the, the ins of the outs of the program and I'd be happy to, to do that in a session. I, like I said, I've been traveling throughout the state. It's been a lot less travel in the last year, but I'm Zoom adept and Facebook Live and, and GoToMeeting. And if you name a virtual platform, I've probably been on it in some form uh, in the last year. But the bottom line is, like I mentioned earlier, I still have to get in front of people between three to seven times to convince them that this is a great program for their for their families. And it is important. I, I do still need to help get the word out. We figure there are conservatively about 300,000 people in the state of Michigan who are eligible for these accounts. And as of this morning, we have opened up 5,490 accounts. So we're at 2% of our potential population. My job is to get it up to as close to 100% as possible. Our job is to get everyone with a disability to have these accounts to, to plan and save for their future. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's the assistance that I need. I need help getting in front of people. So yeah, thank you. For we just, you're welcome. No, we just need to keep talking about it and talking about it. And like you said, we'll have, we're, we'll have you back. We have stuff happening for the next, oh my gosh, several months over on Detroit mom. Thank you guys for being here, for being vulnerable you know, for Scott sharing your expertise to help this community. I think it's so important. And again, this episode, if you like this episode, you go back and listen to Justin Jamie's previous episode. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe because that's how more people get to listen. 
again, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And we will, we will talk to you guys later.